Welcome to the Leadership Void Podcast. Enrique and Vince here, and we're all about helping you develop and fill the areas of void in your leadership. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Leadership Void Podcast. I'm Enrique with my co-host, Vince, to bring you the best in our veteran, military spouse, and first responder community, and Vince will introduce today's guest. Hey, thanks, Enrique. Happy end of November. Here we are with Jeff Harvey. He is closing us out. He is the CEO of Community Legal Services of Mid-Florida from Orlando, Florida here as well. We're graciously having him on the show. He has a great background, but doing some great things in the community. But first, Jeff, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from Orlando, Florida, and um, spent uh, 10 years on active duty multiple multiple trips with that with that those 10 years and then um, wanted to come back home and so uh, came back went to law school and settled down back in Orlando where I grew up my kids go to the same same undergrad you know uh, grade school I went to and uh, my wife and I are both from here and spent uh, now 12 years in the Florida National Guard with multiple state active duty activations as well so um, that's my one side of my life and the other side of my life is community legal services and, and practicing law. Outstanding. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. A big hua to you and, and all those that have served in the army and continue to serve. Now it's amazing what uh, individuals have done post-service. You have gone down the legal route and, and established your own uh, practice. So tell us a little bit more about CLS. So community legal services is a uh, nonprofit organization uh, we've got about 120 staff members. That's 60 lawyers in 12 counties. And our mission is to provide no-cost legal services to the most vulnerable in Central Florida uh, in an effort to help them protect their their families, their health, and their livelihood. Um, we are basically the only option in many cases for people that are at the 200% or below the poverty level, level um, individuals that are... Um, we call vulnerable populations. Uh, there's debate as to what the right term is, but you know, people that are in a position to either be taken advantage of or exploited or or harmed. So that's a. I oh, love it, uh, Jeff. So from the profession of arms to the profession of law, uh, you're doing great things. 120 of you all are doing some wonderful things for mm -hmm. different different scopes and different individuals that need the vulnerable community. So I appreciate hearing that and and loving what you're doing. Uh, now, we all of us went through a pandemic and understand the uh, trials and tribulations that came with that. How did it affect either the clients that go through CLS or your staff in general? So um, we're constantly trying to figure out how to innovate. Um, you know, one of the problems with the, the market share that we have, the bottom 20 percent of Floridians, if you will, in terms of income is um you know, I probably run one of the only law firms in Central Florida that has way more clientele than it could possibly want. <laughs> There's just, you know, most people are trying to get clients. Uh, I've got, I've got so many I, I couldn't ask for anymore. Although we still market because I think getting the right clients is key. But um, the innovation piece, you know, our a lot of our clients were forced to embrace a lot of the uh, digital innovations that take place. That the practice of law typically has been very much a face to face, make an appointment, come on in, and. Um, when you're in a situation like we are where uh, a scarcity of resources is our biggest challenge, I can always get more resources, but, but where I struggle and well, I struggle with getting more resources, right. But, but where I, I find the most um, ability to make 
change that I can influence directly is how do I take less and do more with it? And, and so when we started leveraging some of those technological advances, just like this Zoom, right? Um, we were able to kind of bridge the gap there and, and I think reach more people and continue to reach people. So, you know, for our organization, we actually only had a very slight dip. Um, I'm going to say something like 2% in the amount of people that we served the first year of the pandemic. And I think that I, I will I will chuck that up to a couple of different, I say lessons, because we probably didn't realize it exactly as we were going through it. But um, but things that we we definitely learned through the pandemic, one was to be ready. I mean, we had already embraced the technology. And so we recognized when the clients did that we were able to leverage that. And then I think the second thing uh, was, you know, I really treated that first six, eight months like a deployment. You know, it, it, it wasn't the first time that I have lived where I worked and you get up in the morning and you roll out of bed and you sit right at your desk and you have to realize you've got to, you have to force yourself to do some of those things that you normally would do to take care of yourself, like um, put on clothes, take a shower, um, those types of things. And um, I think the last piece is with that, you know, whenever you're focused on a mission as a leader, it's really easy. I remember this from the military. It's really easy to be out in the middle of the freezing cold and not be cold because you're so focused on what you're doing. You just don't pay attention to it, but your soldiers are freezing. And so to take a minute as a leader and stop and think, okay, what is it that I'm actually dealing with? What am I feeling? Because even if you've got that superpower where you can push through it, if you don't recognize it, you're not in a position to help other people push through it as well. And so we did spend a lot of time focusing on how we were going to get through this together making sure people had adequate time. Uh, even before it became a thing to to focus on mental health, go do some things that were, you know, got them out of the house and didn't get them kind of stuck in there because, um, you know, again, if you look back at, at some of the issues that people dealt with on deployment, uh, a lot of the PTSD cases weren't, weren't, weren't the ones where somebody had seen somebody, you know, uh, close to them die. A lot of it was just people that weren't used to, were not conditioned to austere environments having to live in a situation day in and day out with this potential of unknown danger. Sounds a lot like COVID to me. So that's, you know, that's what I, I saw my, my staff dealing with. And, and uh, I, I think we actually came out much stronger than we went in. So good to hear that you guys were poised to overcome those challenges and great leadership mm -hmm. tip there to be aware of, of how you're feeling versus the, you know, the, the whole of your team and, and trying to mesh those things together. It definitely leads to a great future. And and speaking about future, let's yeah. talk about the horizon uh, for CLS. What's what's expected? So we're we're looking to do two things, and they're real kind of broad strategic stuff. We're in the process of kind of planning the details, but you know we've recently established in the last year a set of core values, and it's an acronym. I love acronyms. You know anybody in the military does, right? So you can remember them. Um, ours is pillar, and those values are passion, integrity, leadership leverage adaptability and respect but when it comes down to it part of the reason why we want to live those values is because we want to see ourselves as a pillar in the community and so one of the things that community legal services um, struggled with when i first started was that it was this large organization very well funded you know we get 50 percent of our funding from the federal government the other 50 percent comes from local and state governments um and uh and donations and nobody knew who we were Nobody knew what we did. But if you think about most of these nonprofits that do work to help the community, um, they provide food, they provide shelter, they provide safety, they provide you know tangible human basic needs. We don't provide any of those things, but what we do provide is a way to make them more sustainable or legal. 
or, you know, get turn something into from a gift to a right. And, and those are the types of things that make it last. And so if, um, if we're not seen as a pillar in the community and, and we are not as well known as we need to be, we're, we're not yet, but we're getting there. Um, you know, it, it makes it real difficult for us to make the impact that we want to make. And again, I, I see us as, uh, to use a cliche term, right? Combat multiplier. We are, we are a combat multiplier for all the work that the other, that the other nonprofits are doing. And so, you know, not only are we doing good work, but we can help them do better work as well. And, and, and that's one of our primary goals. Um, my second goal really is, um, I talked about this briefly earlier, is, is the, the, the culture of the Florida bar. You know, the practice of law is a profession. Uh, I'm fortunate enough right now to be going through the Army War College, and we had a whole unit on professions and professionalism. And, and I just found it fascinating to read that stuff and think, man, this is just like the practice of law. But in, in, a, in a profession, uh, there's a couple of different tenets that make it a profession. But, but one of them is, it provides a service to the society that it can't provide itself. And that's absolutely the practice of law. I mean, we are the bridge between the people and that third branch of government. If you want to, if you want to go talk to the legislature or you want to go, you know, talk to the, to the executive branch, you lobby or you vote, you want to talk to the judiciary, go right ahead. But if you don't know what you're talking about, you're going to, you're going to struggle. And uh, one of my earliest experiences in law school was uh, clerking for a judge. And I saw this couple try to argue as to why they shouldn't be garnished as much as they were going to get their wages garnished. And it was because they were separated and the gentleman had to pay for two, two places to live. Now, good for him for paying for, you know, his estranged wife. But it, what the bank heard was, well, now you have less dependents, you got to pay us more. And so that type of lack of knowledge in the law is really important to have somebody that can advise you on how to do that because you only get one shot at shot at this. Once you talk to the judge and you say what you say, you can't take it back. Um, and so, you know, back to the profession of law, um, we are really supposed to be uh, community minded and have a service, you know, a service mindset. And that uh, has, has waned over the years. And so one of my goals really is to kind of help improve that across the state of Florida. Um, I've already been active with um, as a as a as a guest volunteer with the Florida Bar Board of Governors, looking at some of these issues. Um, we are very much working with local voluntary bar associations because I think those are those are where professionals are made. That's where the professionalism happens, the mentorships. That's also where people take pro bono cases. And while I have a vested interest in people taking pro bono cases, because every pro bono case is taken as one more person my organization can say it helped. Um, to me, that's that's the short term. The long term is how do I create a culture within the, the Florida bar that uh, encourages that kind of stuff and becomes what you, just what you do. And very much like in the military culture, you know, there's there are certain things. It doesn't matter what the regulations say. You go to units and you just don't do it. Right. And uh, and so how do we how do we create that in the Florida bar uh, with service being at the forefront? And those are the two things really, I think, over the next three to five years that we are really going to hyper focus on. I, I, wow, Jeff, I love everything I heard from you. You, <laughs> you're the, the pillars, the acronym. It's amazing. I, I love the fact that you're a combat multiplier. We hopefully are that as well with this podcast. I think, you are. I think so. <laughs> Spreading your wings and doing great things and folks learn about what you're, the fantastic work you're doing for those 20% that, that need it right in Florida. So thank you for that. And changing the mold of what it looks like at the whole bar, the whole state is it's phenomenal. So thank you for doing everything you're doing, Jeff. Um, so you. now you, you have some great wisdom. You did 10 years active and still in the reserve and you have great knowledge. So what do you do to continually 
uh, sharpen your sore that aid you to thrive in your professional life? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of it is, is education and self-study. I read a lot. Um, I do take some time on my own, uh, to, to kind of practice arts, if you will. And when I say arts, I'm talking about, you know, grilling and woodworking and, and things like that, but things that I do where I don't really have to think, or if I have to think it's a really small, very finite problem. Um, and, and then, you know, like I said, that, that, that self-development education piece, one of the things that I believed to be true, and I've now gotten confirmed in this first class through the War College, was once you get to higher levels of leadership, um, there is so much more of an emphasis on your emotional intelligence, your ability to understand yourself and your ability to understand others and how you come across. And the way that you communicate to somebody, um, it doesn't matter if it's what you intended or not. If it's not what you intended, all of a sudden you're ineffective. And so that takes a lot of um, introspection. It takes a lot of education about yourself. It takes a lot of education about concepts. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you, you know, I've got, I've gone through and continue to go through coaching. Um, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Um, you know, even if you don't feel like you need it at some point going through that and just continuing on working on yourself and self-development is helpful. And then I, I constantly look for little ways in other areas of my life to kind of notice it. And so, you know, leadership is a great one because as I try to develop leaders at the organization, we've had conversations, somehow I keep coming back to my kids, right? And leadership is a lot like raising kids. And, you know, there are some kids that you can, you can trust to go do their own, their own thing. And, and they just need to make sure that they know the one or two rules. And then there are some kids that you got to keep an eye on. And, and the goal is to kind of help them grow so that they can become the former, um, but even as I go through with my two, my two kids uh, and raise them, I, I kind of look for lessons, you know, in those interactions that I can maybe apply to the other, the other life and vice versa. Yeah. And those are some great tips right there about <laughs> uh, leadership and things that you need to explore. Uh, emotional intelligence, so powerful, especially as you mentioned, at the higher you get, uh, you really mm -hmm. do need to understand how you connect with those that you are leading and how they perceive you uh, based on how you communicate, right. which is a, a very important thing. Now, uh, given your leadership journey and all those that you've been able to follow and, and be with, uh, what advice did you receive that you would like to pass on to an emerging leader today? You know, for me, what I would share first, I think, is that leadership is an art. It's a practice. And so, um, it's not positional, although when you're in a position, you absolutely need to be practicing. And if you're not, you're failing. Um, and and practice means, you know, you don't always get it right. But they say, right, practice makes perfect. And and, and it should be almost like a discipline throughout your life um, that, uh, you know, you, you've got to you've got to make some mistakes. You've got to be able to get comfortable with risk and allowing your subordinates to take some risks so that they can grow as well. Um, and I remember now, you know, um, what, what that piece of advice was, and I think it falls along the same lines. I had somebody tell me once, and the military guys will get this, at least, at least the Army guys. I don't know about the Air Force and the Navy guys, but um, always be at the decisive point, but never be decisively engaged. You know, that, that what I try to explain that to somebody is, you know, be, be at what is most important but never be so into it that you can't back out and go someplace else, especially when all of a sudden what you're at is not the most important thing. And so um, 
you know, to me, I think that 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 is the case. And and, and I typically will base that in part on uh, where do I have the ability to teach leadership indirectly through experiences, through helping people, uh, coaching people through decisions and the like. So that would be my advice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think back to the parallel with the children, right? It's always, you know, an evolving lessons of leadership there, as well as acting upon it, as you mentioned, you know, be out there, be out front, act, because you learn more by the things you do wrong and, and learn from that right. and, and get it right afterwards. So uh, great advice listening to what you have to say to the audience. I know some sometimes kids need to get a little bit hurt, right? You don't want them too hurt because that means you <laughs> failed. But I guess they don't get a little bit hurt. They want to respect, you know, some of the dangers that are out there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you become this great leader and that emotional intelligence, you know, is best served when you influence mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, so now let's talk to Jeff about your memorable leadership aha moments. Uh, any pros of wisdom you'd like to share within those? Yeah, I've had two. Um, so I've had the privilege of having, um, I think, two really great uh, mentor leaders. Three, I'll tell you three. When I and when I was in the military, um, once when I was a lieutenant, and then once uh, when I was a major, and then uh, when I was a battalion commander. Um, and so, you know, twenty-two years, I've only worked for three awesome bosses. Um, and you know, the average, the average tour is somewhere between 18 months and 36 months. And so you do the math. I've had more bad leaders, more bad bosses than I've had good bosses. And so somewhere along the time that I was about cap made captain, I realized that, um, you don't have to always look to your supervisor or your leaders as a role model. You can actually learn quite a lot from them about how not to be and focus on how are they making you feel and what you want to do. And you may still rise above and do, you know, your mission or your duty because of it. You should. But when you're in that position, keep that in mind. Um, I think so. That was the first kind of aha moment I had. Um, and the second aha moment I had really has been in the last 12 months. And that is truly that that idea is that when you get up the, the kind of the higher level, um, you know, I think what what the military would probably look at is, is strategic leadership, general level, um, national leaders, but other CEOs, people that have broad organizations that can't be everywhere at the same time, um, is that it truly is uh, much more about introspection and um, self-development and making sure that uh, you're setting the right tone. You know, I had a Sergeant Major once tell me, um, once he became my, my battalion Sergeant Major, uh, I'm no longer a problems guy. I'm a culture guy. And I thought about that for a minute and said, you know what? He's absolutely right because, you know, the, the problems get solved at the lower levels. I got to set the culture and I got to set the tone for what is the right way to approach problems. What is the right way to raise problems? What is the right set of values for us to have in, in the atmosphere by which we address these certain problems and really let everybody else kind of solve them and learn from solving them. And I can step in and fix something if I have to. Um, but that very much like the, because I said so, right. That is, that is the silver bullet. You can only use it once in a while. And if you step in and fix stuff all the time, they're not going to learn anything from that too. And that's something that really kind of stood out for me over the last, I'd say 12, 24 months. Um, and again, you know, work, I can't say enough about the leadership class at work college. It, it, it really took everything that I kind of believed and felt and thought through in little pieces and then threw it all together in a book. And I started reading this and I'm like, ah, I, that was it. That was it. I got it. I'm right. I'm not crazy. <laughs> like that's how you say what I've been thinking. So, um, huge. It's been a huge, huge uh, benefit for me, and I'm really honored to be there. 
Well, I'm glad you just mentioned that uh, Sergeant Major really realizing, you know, and it's just any leader, it doesn't have to be the Sergeant Major, but realizing the difference in and the shift in their mm -hmm. priority based on where they are. And that's that's a time of change for most all leaders that they need to get to in order to be more effective for their team. Now, talking about change and and obviously you're preparing for this next year, as mentioned earlier, you're strategizing. So what are certain strategies that you use with your team to deal with change and challenges? So change, they, you know, change is hard for any organization. So, you, so, so they say, but I will tell you that uh, it is much more difficult in, in civilian organizations. And I think it's much more difficult in nonprofit organizations where a lot of my retention is not because of what I pay. Uh, it is, it is of other reasons. And so, uh, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have and build, continue to build a culture that, that maintains relatively low retention rates. Um, not retention. I'm sorry. Am I using the right term? We don't have a lot of turnover. That's what I'm looking for. Turnover rates. Um, and I think part of that is, is managing change appropriately. Um, a long time ago, I learned about the Cotter age step change management model. And um, it's one that I like just because it makes it pretty straightforward. But I think all the change management models I've looked at, you know, they really revolve around a couple of different things. One is that's your idea. Make sure that whatever it is that you're going to go change uh, is really actually solving a problem or fixing something or making something better. Um, and so one of the things that I will typically do is I'll start talking about it months before I plan on doing anything just to kind of see what am I missing? Um, that also gives me an opportunity for some honest feedback about it um, and to raise kind of to the to the surface the major issues that uh, my intended change or the intended change is hoping to address. Um, and then you got to have time for people to get used to the idea. You got to give time for people to kind of uh, practice whatever that change is, because, you know, you get in the habit of going a certain direction and you all of a sudden you're changing directions. That's kind of hard to do. I had a professor once tell me a story about uh, and make an analogy about, you know, you live on a dirt dirt driveway. And if every time you come out of the out of the driveway, you take a left and then all of a sudden, you know, you realize after 10 years, you've got these ruts in the road. And when you want to turn right, it takes it that much harder to get up out of the ruts and go to the opposite direction. I see change in an organization being that way. Um, and so it, it's difficult for people and you kind of have to understand that. Um, but I think ultimately, if they understand what you're trying to do, um, they'll support it. The last piece, and this is probably, um, I would say the best advice that I could give is, you know, I, I tell my staff, I don't need to be right. We need to have the right answer. And so it does not about me. It's about what is the right answer for the issues that we're dealing with or the, or the things we're trying to fix or change or improve. And so when we finally get to that decision point of, okay, this is what we're going to do. The one thing that I always remind them is if it doesn't work. We'll fix it. We're changing. Now we can change again. And I think that uh, when you say that with the idea that, and please support me on this long enough to either prove me wrong or prove me right, they are willing to say, okay, we'll, we'll see. And, um, you know, every once in a while I, I get proven wrong and it, and it's okay because I don't need to be right. I need the right answer. Um, a lot of times I think though that that allows the staff to really get in 
vested in the change because they want to they want to give it you know the old college try to make sure that we are in fact trying the right thing and, and i think that that's what's really made it effective um you know from the challenges side we've dealt with a lot of challenges recently and i kind of go back to that idea of what's everybody else feeling you know if i was in their shoes what would i be feeling and, and i sometimes have to stop and think what am i actually feeling that i'm ignoring because i'm trying to focus on dealing with these challenges um and, you know, that is definitely necessary at this level, but you also have to kind of project strength and projecting strength doesn't necessarily mean projecting control. It's okay to admit when you don't have control of something. It's okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, if, if you tell somebody, hey, that, that's not something that I can influence and I'm scared too, but we got it, right? All of a sudden, uh, they'll get behind you and you can lead from the front on those things as opposed to panic. You know, panic is, I think, the enemy of, of progress. And um, I see a lot of my role is just um, helping people prevent panic and, and, and kind of try to do that in a way of just being, you know, encouraging and authentic, um, but also also strong, like we can get through this, we can manage this risk, we can, we can recover, we'll be fine. And, and the pandemic was one of those ways, you know, uh, people panicked a lot about potential income. And I can recall two or three opportunities where we lost some money in the first couple of months. And I called the staff members that were impacted and said, Hey, you're not going anywhere. We'll figure this out. And sure enough, I think we probably, um, we ended up with more money by the end of that first year than we normally do between things like PPP loans and emergency grants and stuff like that. But it would have been real easy to just take the easy answer and get rid of those people. And where would we be as an organization without them? I mean, entire sectors of the organization that do certain very specific things. You can't, you can't, we can't get back, you know? So, you know, yeah. that's definitely great. What I'm hearing, Jeff, is, you know, you, you showed the vulnerability, all those feelings of strength and vulnerability showcases your character and also showcase you as a, not only a change agent, a culture guy. You're not a problems guy. Anymore, that's right. As you mentioned. <laughs> and, and you, you definitely have some great, uh, wisdom based on what you've done in the past as i heard you said earlier you know you're out there the leader in the cold you didn't feel the cold but you asked the soldiers about their feelings so uh, i love everything you you transported and teleported from your military to where you at today community legal services is where it's at a great organization and folks listening in how do they get a hold of either community legal services or you jeff rv Right. So, um, so first of all, uh, and I mentioned this at the very beginning, you know, community legal services is spoken, focused really on vulnerable populations in that bottom 20%. But there's a middle 20% income based of Floridians, they call the justice gap that don't have any resources. And so one of the things I failed to mention, but what we're trying to do is, is, is find ways to address that as well. And we've got one already. And that is go to our website. Um, it is uh, clsmf.org. That's Charlie Lima, Sierra, Mike Fox.org. Um, and on our website, you can find a whole host of different legal topics. And what we've done is is try to provide information on each one of those topics, some self-help resources. And we actually have had everything written down at somewhere between a fifth and seventh grade level so the average person can understand. And so I'd say anybody that's got a legal issue, a civil legal issue, not criminal, do not do criminal, but would be to go and check out our website. And then from there, if that doesn't help you, there's numerous ways online um, that you can you can contact us. You can you can come to our office if you need to. Um, although we prefer to use one of the other methods, there's there's online intake processes that allow you to get qualified. There's a, an 800 number that you can call, um, and uh, there's so there's there's all those ways to get in touch with us. 
uh, directly. If, if somebody wants to get in touch with me directly, uh, I'd say go ahead and send me an email. It's jeffh at clsmf.org. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm real honored to be here. And uh, I think this is a great thing you both are doing. And uh, I heard about some of your previous guests, too. So to kind of be to be lumped in with them, I think, is, is a great honor. And, and uh, I'm just excited about it. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I thank you. Well, it's our pleasure to host you, uh, Jeff, and all the great veterans that uh, are doing great things in our community. Uh, folks, we'll have that as part, all that information as part of our show notes and video. So you can get a hold of Jeff and CLS. Uh, it's a, a great endeavor that you guys are doing and service to our community. So we're just happy uh, to, to host you. Uh, if you want to reach the Leadership Void, the Leadership Void at gmail.com is the email. If you want a specific person on the show or a topic covered, we would love to hear about it. So uh, send us an email there and Vince and I will curate all those and make it, make some things happen. Don't forget that we do have radio check on the first and 15th of every month at 7 PM Eastern 1900 for those inclined to military time, uh, for the sake of making sure that our veterans, our military spouses, our first responders have a place to go to, uh, possibly get information, even come out and vent sometimes and, and let us uh, d discuss and debate some uh, leadership and some personal things, right? So uh, a way, uh, a light, a hope, especially during these holiday seasons. Yes, absolutely. And lastly, we are so honored to have our sponsor, VEI, Veteran Entrepreneurship Initiative, sponsoring our show. We love them. we honored to have them on our show. And we see Jeff. Lastly, for those that also want to have their services or be a sponsor for CLS as Jeff is dancing with the sun. Uh, you know, <laughs> just go ahead and enjoy that. But hey, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there who had it. Here we are closing out the month of November, but we are honored to have Jeff Harvey and Community Legal Services. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Board Podcast. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you are dealing with leadership issues, be sure to write us at theleadershipvoid at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time.